Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 52 for coverage of the 2009 Turkish Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and there has been plenty of drama in Formula One and the politics of the FIA and everything else to cover. What would we do without the drama? I know. It's only been two weeks since the last race in Monaco, but there's there's a whole lot going on. So uh, just to give a quick recap of that, um, where it sits right now is all the teams have entered um, entered their bids to become proper teams next year for Formula One to compete in the F1 World Championship. So all the existing teams have lodged, have, have entered their entries, and a whole bunch of new teams have entered as well. Um, some names we've heard of before, like Team Lotus and Brabham and ProDrive, some names we've, that are you know sort of coming out of nowhere. Um, like we mentioned, the Lola the car maker. You know, it's been it's been or really interesting. Speed. And unfortunately, we don't have like a rundown of every you know every single one um, to go but, in, in but depth the fact on that. that. There's so many. Yeah, but is really something. You know, basically um, next week they will the FIA will be going over and actually accepting. Um, some number of, of these entries and actually deciding which teams will be competing in Formula 1 in 2010. And I think in 2010 they said they were going to allow up to 13 teams. Right. So we'll bring you all the details on that, of course. We'll probably have links on the Facebook page or links on the website uh, to some of the coverage there. Um, but for now, um, it's still a little bit unclear as far as exactly what's going to go down. But right. rather than speculate and go with rumors and all that, uh, we'll kind of hold off until there's more to talk about once decisions have actually been made. But um, And one thing I actually want to add to that really quick yeah. is that the uh, teams, the existing teams that entered the contract, um, at least most of them anyway, um, have entered their bids on a conditional basis. Right. There's a clause in there that allows them to pull their entry out if uh, basically the 2010 rules – are so drastically different that they uh, doesn't suit their needs. Right. Although the couple teams um, lodged entries unequivocally, I think two of them, right? Yes. Williams and Force India. And Force India, because both these teams they're not constructors; they are Formula One teams. And and what they, else are they going to do? Yeah, I mean they, they they can't just switch gears and say, oh let's go back to making cars or let's just you know pull out of Formula One but keep doing our normal thing. Formula One is what they do; is re- their reason to exist. So. Uh, they actually broke ranks from the uh, the FOTA, the Formula One Teams Association, and decided, hey, we got we, you know we can't put conditions on our entry. We want to be in F1 next year, regardless of what happens. Uh, and and well, I mean, it's, mercy there. It's not even even. I mean, obviously, I, they also want to, but it's not even a want. It's they have contracts with sponsors, and uh, the way they earn money is to be in Formula One. They they're basically contractually obligated to do so. Mm-hmm. And the FOTA was not too happy with Williams, at least, and actually suspended Williams from the FOTA, which is the Formula One Team Association, for those who don't know. Um, but I don't know if Force India was suspended as well. Yeah, they, that's... Probably. Know, I would sure assume so, if they also broke If they're rules. even in the FOTA. I'm not or sure if, if they're even the in the there. I, I think um, they are. But. but speaking of, of rule changes and everything else for next year, um, this just came out from Autosport that uh, Formula One, uh, the, the FOTA, agrees to drop curves in 2010. Um, the teams have come together, and although not everyone was behind this decision, the majority uh, consensus was uh, it's just too expensive, it's too complicated, the the idea um, was, was nice, but in, in, in practice... Curves is just not a good place for teams to be spending money. It's just you know it's it's had such limited success. Only a couple of cars have ever been able to really use it to to 
you know, make passes and all that. And it, you know, on paper, maybe it was, was working well, but with the economy and everything and engineering, you know, doing what they have to do, um, it just isn't making sense. So this has not been adopted by the FIA, but the FOTA um, has decided, uh, let's put forth, you know, we believe that Kurs should be gone for next year. I mean, this is, this is soon, you know, this is early, you know, putting this in place very soon. Um, and, you know, well, that'll, that could be certainly play into um, the FIA's decision of, of who's involved in F1 next year. And, uh, of course, you know, what, what all the teams decide to do if, if they decide to use those opt-out clauses, um, you know, if, if basically the whole group of the team says, we don't want curves anymore. If the FIA is really, really big on curves and they need to have it, that could be just yet another, you know, big sticking point in the yeah, whole uh, yeah. negotiations here. Yeah, and w- one thing, I have to say I have mixed feelings about this because really what I think to me, what this really speaks to is the unfortunate and poor manner in which Kurz was brought out in the first place. Uh, Kurz was brought out knowing that it was going to be a big weight penalty, a big cost on development, and uh, a, a brand new technology for all these teams. But the FIA limited the ability of Kurz to um, benefit the teams by only allowing them to have up to 80 horsepower boost of horsepower um, for 6.7 seconds on a given lap. That limitation uh, basically means that even if you get cursed just right, you're more or less breaking even, maybe gaining a tenth in a lap time. And that's only on the high-speed tracks. So it was such a poor implementation of the rules of curs that it's made curs non-value-added for Formula 1. If they said Kurz was available, go nuts, I think it would have been a very different story. Yeah, if they could just say, if you can get 300 horsepower out of your Kurz system and, and you hit that button and you just yeah. really just get something amazing, then that's great. And that's going to be the kind of thing that's going to make the teams want to put in the engineering dollars and put in the hours yeah. to oh, yeah. really develop it. But at the same time, that kind of flies in the face of the cost caps and the idea yeah. of you know limiting costs in, in Formula One. I mean, I, I guess with engine technology, they're not allowed to say, okay, well, it's it's got to be you know this many liters and go nuts with it. I mean, they're still regulated as to what all can be done. Right. So it's... You know whether they would just add go that way with with electricity or whatever. It's you know, I, right. it's sort of unlikely. But I agree that in its implementation, it's a lot of money to spend on very little gain because there may right. be sometimes some particular situations. You know, coming up a front straight and making a pass or whatever where it'll help. But it's a Start lot of, race, of work for kind of a, maybe this will help a couple of times during a right. race. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. So uh, now it'll be interesting though because. We're talking about some very, very stubborn people in the FAA. I mean, think about it. A year ago, this time, Max Mosley was caught up in a Nazi sex, uh, uh, you know, sex orgy scandal. Yeah. And now he's just ruler of the world again. And uh, Bernie Ecclestone is still, you know, as uh, arrogant and stubborn as ever. So I don't know the Formula One team is being, you know being aligned in this decision. I don't know if that's going to carry much weight or not. Yeah, so I, like we say, in, an, in a week's time is the actual decision. Um, we should be press releases and everything out. And How's it go as the, as the sands continue to pass through the hourglass? These are the days of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Fair enough. It's okay. an American soap opera for those who have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. I had no idea what you're talking about. Okay, but so for everybody. Go. Okay. So that brings us to uh, we did have we did have a race today and we did have qualifying for the day's race. No, no, no. There's one more thing. Oh, a little bit on the lighter side, I suppose you could say, in comparison to all this nonsense. Uh, 
as you know, uh, the McLaren Mercedes team has not had the best year thus far. Right. Um, and uh, Braun GP has had quite a bit of success. The interesting thing is both cars are powered by a Mercedes-Benz engine. And Mercedes is starting to wonder if the wrong team is the works teams here. And not really, but what I'm getting at is uh, Mercedes-Benz is seriously considering uh, putting uh, the three-pointed star and Mercedes-Benz livery on the Braun GP car and paying for it. And that's kind of a big deal in the sense that I don't know how would how would you take that if you uh, were McLaren? Yeah, well, it's interesting because it's not like a team like Ferrari or Renault where the works car is you know the Re- Renault builds the engine, Renault builds the gearbox, Renault builds the car. That is a Renault car. Whereas McLaren Mercedes is a McLaren body and you know McLaren car design and Mercedes power plant, but they've been really really tightly linked and for a number of years now. So it's, and, it's mean, kind McLaren of halfway is, in between a constructor and a and right. A I mean, full. McLaren is essentially considered one of the manufacturers essentially because of their ties with right. Mercedes. So it's a really really it's a really close tie-in, but at the same time, there it's not you know it's not like Ferrari you know all of a sudden putting the prancing horse on you know who's the uh, yeah the 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 STR force Indias or whatever yeah. yeah. So. Um, I mean, it's, it's so politically, it's a really big deal, um, just for those for that reason, and, and for Mercedes basically saying to McLaren, like, not that they've entirely lost faith, but that, hey, man, you know, that the, right. the grass is greener over there with Braun GP, and um, but it's, it's at the end of the day, it's a business decision, and they've just got to do what makes sense for right. them. Right, and that's basically what Norbert Haug said. Haug said is that, look, our engine has won five of the last six races. Why are we not? You know, we it's it we we can't do wrong by Mercedes to do right by McLaren. Right. You know what I mean? So it's a nice thing. So keep your eye on that Braun GP car. It might, there might be less paint on that car uh, next weekend. So yeah, just but also it about. could be, I mean, it's a good thing for, for Braun. I mean, not that they need the help, but obviously having a, a title sponsor potentially signed on like that um, is definitely good for the team and, and uh, you know, can get, you know, income going there and to keep everything going. I mean, you remember that early in the year, you know, after, uh, uh, you know the, the fallout with Honda and all that. Uh, you know Jensen Button had to take a pay cut to stay with the team and all right. this stuff. So having um, not you know not only just having good results, but having money actually coming in to back that up is definitely going to be a good thing for Braun GP, and they can continue to go forward. And hopefully, this isn't just a flash in the pan of they just happen to get the rules right at the right time, and then you know later this season or next season it goes back to business as usual. You know I think this is the kind of thing that could really take Braun GP from being you know, like sort of a laughably clean car. Um, with you right. know, it's got some Virgin sponsorship on it and not much else. Um, to being sort of you know a really sort of properly sponsored and and well you know kind of connected car there. Right, and having Mercedes having Mercedes uh, logos in the uh, and on the car might help attract even more sponsors as well because there I I could see potential companies wanting to be associated even if it's indirectly with Mercedes. And it certainly helps Mercedes. I mean, I I. You know, I'd forget that Braun has anything to do with Mercedes, really. Right. I mean, oh, you yeah. know, it's it's oh, like yeah. we think of him as Ross Braun. We think of him as Jetson Button. You hear about how was the old Honda team over and over yeah. again. I mean, people keep talking about, oh, Honda must be so upset that Braun GP car is doing well. It's not a Honda car. I mean, Honda couldn't be happier. They're not spending a dime, and they get mentioned just as often as they would have if they were still in F1. Yeah. They, you still hear Honda, 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 win, 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 yeah. Braun, Braun, Braun. Former I mean, Honda, it's, whatever, yeah. So, so they couldn't be happier. Honda's like, sure. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So qualifying. Um, this 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 is Turkey. This is you know very very different from Monaco. This is a fast track. You've got flowing corners. It's Felipe um, Massa's best friend. This track. It is, and I actually predicted Felipe Massa would do really really well and end up on pole. How would he do? Uh, he's seventh. Ooh. Hey us. hey, who went faster than Massa? Uh, he was in a red car too. Your I boy Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah. There you go. What? All right. So. Um, the usual, the usual suspects in uh, in in Q, out in Q one with uh, Sebastian Bourdais, Fisichella, Sebastian Buemi, Lewis Nelson Hamilton, P- Nelson Piquet in the Renault, Lewis Hamilton, but Lewis, Lewis Hamilton out you in Q one, the typicals. And in last the last race, it was because uh, of a crash. This time, he just couldn't get the car around the track fast yeah. enough. And he just who had, was he ahead was of him? Kovalainen was well and truly ahead of him. Pure speed. Kovalainen had it. Hamilton didn't. Hamilton. Yep. Just looked pathetic out there in yep. qualifying. He really did. Um, Heike Kovalainen, yeah, made it to 14th at the end. Um, Adrian Sutil moved on to, to Q2. Good for him in the Force India. Um, Timo Glock, 13th, which was a, which was a shame because Jarno truly actually ended up 5th. So it was kind of a poor performance from Timo. Just couldn't bit, quite get yes. it right. Um, Kaz Nakajima, 12th for Williams. And uh, and Nick Heidfeld just missed out on uh, moving on. He ended up 11th. So he was uh, fastest of the Q2 guys. Yeah, just a few hundreds off his teammate there. And uh, and then I mean so ever everyone else I mean Sebastian Vettel on pole uh, yeah just had a stellar lap I mean he was light on fuel but he was he he owned the pole and not very light I mean he was couple yeah he laps was a couple lighter. laps lighter but yeah. he, I mean by over a tenth it was this was, he really timed it just right he sort of pulled a pulled, pulled a Braun GP in a way you know yeah uh-huh. you know going across the line with yep, a couple absolutely. seconds to go to get the absolute last lap and best you know rubber on the track and all those conditions like we talked about but you, you have know, to say I, I Red think, Bull just really got it right I think and if you look at this qualifying this really does I think kind of nicely uh, place where the true speed of the different cars are because you have Red Bull in first and fourth with Mark Webber qualifying fourth place in the Red Bull Renault. Jensen Button and Rubens and Carroll, uh, <laughs> and Rubens Barrichello, excuse me, uh, in the middle with uh, uh, qualifying second and third, which really, in my mind, I think that's pretty accurate, that the Braun cars and the RBR cars are quite good um, and very close to each other. Then you have Yarno Truly sticking his nose in fifth, and then the two Ferraris that are starting to get a little bit better with Raikkonen and, Fla- and, and uh, Massa, seventh, sixth and seventh. And then, you know, Poor old Fernando Alonso, still uh, still working hard to keep the Renault in the top it, it, ten. Driving, you know, well beyond what the Renault is actually capable of. Yes, yeah. which which I would like to point out at this point that we point out all the time that Fernando Alonso is really good. <laughs> Viva la Spain. Okay. Um, and then and then also Nico Rosberg in ninth, in ninth for the Williams. Yes, he actually was able to, you know. It's not it's, a great qualifying performance, but yeah. uh, relative but to his practice, you know, and all that, it's actually reasonable. Again, you know, he, he, I don't know what it is that, that Williams I, – I think it's Williams builds a decent car and then on really light fuel loads – oh, my goodness. My voice just isn't working. Really light fuel loads, Rosberg can just really man up and get some wicked laps in. So he's always really fast on Friday practice. And that never really translates in Saturday qualifying and especially thus far into uh, race finishes. But last uh, last race in Monaco, he turned it into a pretty decent result, and again qualifying in the top ten. That's not bad, and again considering his teammate uh, was out in Q two in twelfth place. I mean that's that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Alrighty, that was qualifying. Let's move on to the race. 
With 120 degree heat radiating from the Turkish pavement, Vettel the Kid tore off the line from pole ahead of both Braun GP cars. Button managed the dirty side of the track fine and tucked into second, but it seems that Barrichello fell asleep behind the wheel and lost several positions after a terrible start, falling to 13th place. Kimi Raikkonen suffered a similar fate from 6th in his Ferrari, but only lost 3 places. Rosberg impressively went the other way, taking his Williams Toyota to 5th place, starting from 9th. Everyone got through turn 1 clean, but with pressure from Button, Sebastian Vettel got way loose in turn 9, resulting in a 150 mile an hour tank slapper that allowed Button to sail into the lead. And, despite Vettel carrying less fuel, Button managed to pull a gap. Then, with the first round of pit stops completed for the top drivers, it was Button on top, Vettel five seconds behind, and closing. And by lap 25, Vettel was nipping at Button's tail. But it was to no avail, it seemed, as Vettel came in for a second pit stop on lap 29, still in second place. On lap 33, the final two cars yet to pit, Lewis Hamilton in his McLaren and Sebastian Bourdais for STR, both came in for a big drink of fuel, neither in contention for points. It wasn't until lap 44 that Button followed suit, hitting for the second and final time, now comfortably in the lead. On lap 48, Button's teammate, Barrichello, made history as he pulled his Braun car into the pits for the team's first DNF. Go Rubens! On that same lap, Vettel pitted for the final stop and basically cemented his destiny of a third-place finish as his teammate, Mark Webber, made better use of a two-stop strategy. Which means that, once again, it's Jensen Button claiming victory, his sixth in the last seven attempts. The bionic Aussie, Mark Webber, followed behind in second, leaving only the final step of the podium available to pole sitter Sebastian Vettel. Yarno truly showed everyone that Toyota was back on form, finishing fourth. He was followed by Nico Rosberg in fifth. Rosberg starting to show some speed at the end of the weekend, not just the beginning. Felipe Massa carried the torch today for the Italians in red, collecting another three points for the Scuderia. Behind him came Kubica's BMW Sauber in seventh, and the second Toyota of Timo Glock collecting a point for eight. Jim, Braun v. Red Bull. Yeah, well, it really, the battle started at the, when the lights went out at the start of the race. I mean, that was a really dramatic time, especially for Rubens Barrichello. I mean, you, you know, starting, what, third place, um, and just got a horrible start. It was a little bit frantic for other cars getting around him. Um, Vettel pulled away and did a good job. Jensen pulled away right behind him, and, and they were, they Talked were off right in, absolutely. In, the, uh, in, the, in the lead. But, um, yeah, Rubens Barrichello got a horrible start, and I think uh, Kimi Raikkonen actually got bogged down behind him in some of the traffic and some of the melee. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it was it was bad. I mean, Rubens dropped from second down to, what, like like 10th 13th, or 12th or something? 13th. 13th, 13th spot. place. He lost I mean, 10 and, positions. And Kimi dropped down three spots to go to, to drop Sixth down to, to ninth. ninth. Absolutely. I mean, it was it, that. And, and in that same time, Nico Rosberg. Ninth to fifth, just like that. Yeah, and I don't know if, you know, unfortunately we didn't get a whole lot of onboard replays at the start like we would, would have been nice to see. But, um, man, I mean, that's that really has set the, the tone for the race. There wasn't a whole lot of passing um, after that, I mean, there, with, with a few exceptions. But, but the interesting thing is, as you say, the race started right, that, right at the drop of the green, but it basically seemed to end before turn 10. Yeah. For the first lap. Yeah. Uh, it's, so, I mean, yeah, so... You know, Jensen pulls away. He's he's right behind Vettel. Um, Vettel's doing his thing, and he it goes off, and he just 
just loses the car. I mean, like you mentioned in the race report, just just it got away from him. And as you said in the interview, it um, he he just you know nearly nearly lost the car entirely. I guess you know taking it off track and, and spinning out. Um, and that was that that little mistake was all Jensen needed to get around him. Blamed and, it uh, on a tailwind, by the way. Yeah. I was a little like, okay, come on. I mean, it's the same wind for everyone, yeah, presumably. Exactly. So, if, unless you know, maybe the, the aerodynamics of the Red Bull are super, super sensitive or to tailwind something. Yeah, they yeah. didn't test for that in the in the, in the wind tunnel. But, um, but beyond that, um, I mean, that that pretty much cemented uh, you know Vettel's position. Um, he just did not have what it took to uh, to to follow on with Button today. But I mean, the the disappointing drive of the day has got to go to Rubens Barrichello, though. I mean, that he, was that was terrible. He was all over the place. It's not like he had a bad start and then he recovered and tried to consolidate. I mean, he was racing Kovalainen and losing. He was racing, I think it was Sutil and losing. He, he, he and he had, was he was, you know, making contact with guys. He had to come in for he had to pit for front wing damage, which is why he ended up it was dead last for a while, but um, you know, he, he had to he, he you know, did a really poor start, um, made up one position, um, but then had to then, you know, just had Damage and had to pit, and he he spun and had cars pass him. I mean, it yep. was just like he was. And just, he lost seventh gear early on. So yeah, he only had six. There was know, first through sixth just, gear. It was just kind of. I think he, you know, lost his his confidence or whatever, and was just trying far too hard to get back into it, and uh, and just made some poor mistakes. It's which is weird. I mean, it's kind of rookie stuff, and he is the opposite of a rookie. So quite so. Uh, <laughs> that that was it was surprising to see that from him. And like you say, this was this was Braun GP's first DNF. Um, it's officially listed as a gearbox issue, but um, and that was late in the race. I mean, it was I think lap forty six something like that where he actually he actually pulled the car in. So um, I mean that that was really disappointing to see. Um, but other than that. Um, the, the main other drama that I saw was, or sort of uh, an interesting one, was between Weber and Vettel in, yes. the, in the closing stages. Um, yes. And why don't you why don't you walk us through that? Well, uh, basically, what happened was uh, is that Mark Weber was going for the traditional two stop strategy, and Vettel, to be honest, not sure why, wanted a three stop strategy, which was um, which proved to be a bad decision. Uh, Vettel was closing in on Weber. But then Red Bull got on the radio and told Vettel, don't pass Weber. He's faster than you. Yeah, they said, he's the faster car. <laughs> when over the last, like, five laps. He was closing the gap. Yeah. So uh, Vettel, then, and then, uh, miraculously, Weber seemed to pick up the pace and actually go a little bit faster. And then uh, uh, Vettel seemed to try to answer it. But sure enough, I mean, that's where they finished. You know, Weber in front of Vettel. And that, it was just bizarre. It, and it's, it's, we've talked about this in the past where... There's not team orders in Formula One officially, but there are. Yeah. Where you know whether it's Kimi slowing down to let Massa go by at the end of last year, and he's saying, "Oh, it wasn't team orders. The team didn't tell me what to do. It's just that I know my place in the team, and everyone knows their right. place, and right. it's kind of this right. subtle wink and a nudge, like, oh, we're not doing, you know, we're not manipulating. The, it's like either there are team orders or there aren't, and it's, it seems stupid to say that there aren't that there aren't because." You know, even, though, even though the rules say that they're <laughs> right. not, there will be team orders. And yeah. this is just one of those things that I think, um, I, I mean, Vettel did not have the pace to match button, but he certainly could have gotten around Mark Webber. I mean, he had like nine or ten laps to do it, yeah, and I, he could have gotten around and, and you know, and had a I, solid I really don't understand spot. why they would dictate that, and especially considering from a championship point of view, I mean, Vettel has a better chance of competing. Yes. And uh, so it, it really was just bizarre. And it would be interesting to see, you know, if anything comes from that later on, if Red Bull, you know, if Christian Horner gets interviewed and he said, oh, that was because, you know, my dad said he'd give me $100 if I let Mark Weber finish ahead of Vettel or well, something. Well, I mean, I can imagine they don't want they don't want to risk 
uh, you know, a tricky pass and, a, you know, worst case scenario is the cars just have some kind of contact and they're both out of the race. And yeah, but I mean, two teammates to be know nothing. that they have to race each other clean. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like these are both good drivers. It's not, you know, we're not talking like this is some, it's in the rain and it's Monaco and it's crazy and there's a good chance. It's like, you know, it's, there should be plenty, plenty of opportunities to pass and, yeah. you know, do it safely. And, and, you know, Vettel's been, been strong all day. So that was a weird call and it kind of just had this weird, you know, kind of left a weird taste in my mouth as far yeah, as yeah. why that why would they come on the radio been, and blatantly that might have be been like the Tawook, but I, I I know what you're saying. Yeah. So in our in our which we should mention in our uh, in our whole you know quest to always have the regional local cuisine, um, we took the advice of a, of an F1 show listener had a tasty kebab. Um, we we didn't couldn't didn't quite go as far as Turkish food because there's not a whole lot in the way of Turkish food near my house. But uh, we did have Middle Eastern food, and uh, and I did actually have kebab. I did yes. have shish kebab. So I I, I tried to stay true we to it. Did what we could there, and uh, and and that was great. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, but I want to go back to Rubens here a little bit. Yeah, uh, Jensen Button, his fastest lap of the race was the fastest lap of the race. Uh, Rubens Care Rubens Barrichello had the fourteenth fastest lap of the race. Um, Jensen Button uh, started second was in first place by the end of the uh, first lap, and except for the first round of pit stops, never gave that lead up. Um, Rubens Barrichello was 13th, and then he spun trying to race Piquet, I think of all people, ended up 17th, and then he ran in. He ran into Sutil with his front wing, had to pit for that, then he broke some. I mean, he was just all over the place. Not to mention that he fell asleep on the start of the race. I don't know what was going on at the start of the race. Yeah. So uh, it just really, really, really inconsistent, poor performance, overexcited, and uh, couldn't get any passing done. I didn't realize Turkey was such a hard excuse me, hard place to pass. But I didn't see much passing on track at all. No, there were, and I mean, there were some interesting passes. Nelson Piquet on Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. You know, I mean, the McLarens were so, so far off the pace. Oh man, that's just, and you know, Hamilton had to be cursing. Yeah. Buemi passed Hamilton. I mean, there were a few passes, but not, you know, not, not, nothing outstanding really. And uh, a lot of it was just sort of continuing on and continuing on and try to, you know, do the best they can with pit strategy and all that. And, um, you know, I, so I've, I read the, um, just while you're talking there, the uh, post-race interview with the Red Bull guys, and no one make, really mentions it. There's Mark Webber's got his deal, um, and, you know, in Vettel, you know, Mark, Mark says at the end, you know, at the end of the race, we turned the engine down and brought the car home, like admitting, you know, we weren't going 10 tenths at the end. We didn't have to. Um, Vettel is just kind of, and in his post-race interview for television, um, he said, you know, I'm not happy, but it's a good result for the team. Right, yeah. Which... Okay, yeah, you know, you're coming in third place, but I think that he's kind of saying, like, I should have been on second, you know, he personally, right. you know, and yes, it's a good result for the team, but, you know, he, I don't think, was pleased with that, although I think after he sort of maybe cooled down and talked to the team or whatever, um, you know, in his in his formal post-race interview, um, just kind of said, you know, good result for the team, I think we can be satisfied with second and third, let's move on, Christian Horner doesn't even mention that at all, so, um, yeah, it's, and that's... Probably in terms of PR, the best thing to do. Yeah, so it's it's still it's a little bizarre. So if we find anything out on that, or if 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 you guys in the F1 show listening community know anything about that, um, you know, post it up on the Facebook page or uh, f1show.com or whatever. Yeah. Hey. So uh, I think we need to talk about Nico Rosberg a little bit. Yes. Fifth place. I mean, that's that's pretty darn good. Yeah. I mean, Nico has been what fastest, and I think it was like ten out of nineteen practice sessions or something. Uh, it's just nuts. I mean, it's like it doesn't make it, it like. 
you mentioned this early on, but it, it sort of doesn't make sense how how fast they are sometimes when overall the race pace just isn't there. Like they've worked right. really really hard on light fuel load. They haven't worked on heavy fuel load or haven't worked on some of the some of the long duration tire stints or something. Um, but they've had continuous like oh it looks really good, really good in Friday practice or occasional right. fastest lap or real right. good, real good single laps, but just haven't put it together for the race. But for both Monaco and and Turkey, they're starting to get some results. As I believe Monaco, he was sixth. But uh, yeah, you I know, mean, he's 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 collecting some pretty consistent points now. Yeah, like you mentioned, he's fifth today, and it actually um, puts him seventh in the championship. I mean, Nico Rosberg has eleven and a half points, which puts him ahead of Felipe Massa and Fernando Alonso. You know, not not bad names to be in yep. front of. Yep. Um, and uh, and Raikkonen and Hamilton. I mean, it's like you know, he's sort he's sort of not not up there with. Um, I mean, actually, literally, he's behind the bronze, the Red Bulls, and the Toyotas. He's right. the best of the rest of the rest, or whatever. Right. Um, so there could be. I mean, that that if they can keep doing what they're doing and sort of you know changing the what they're focusing on a little bit and prioritizing a little bit better. Um, I don't know if we could see a win out of them this year. I mean, the bronze are so strong and the Red but Bulls podium, are right there. Podium, but a podium, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that yeah, seems you know, that seems reasonable, especially when Barrichello just shoots himself in the foot at the start. And you have to keep in mind that you know, I think Williams is genuinely the best of the small teams. I mean, they they are a a, a small team by really just about every imaginable measure in terms of money spent, number of employees, all that kind of stuff. They don't have any direct manufacturer money, and uh, you know they just they, they don't have the budget and the resources the other teams do. But they, they what they have, I think is a I think they make a lot out of a little there, and yeah. I, I think they have a lot of passion. I mean they've been in this. I mean it's the FW30. They've been they've made thirty cars. They've been in the sport for quite a long time now, and um, I think they work really hard. And I think. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that it was the Williams BMW that Williams had a very s- similar setup to McLaren Mercedes, where they were basically a factory supported team with BMW. Then BMW bought Sauber mm-hmm. and did their own thing. And um, Williams Williams has done a good job. Now, Nico, his father KK, raced for Williams and won championship. Um, and so there's kind of some legacy there and wanting to stick to the team. But I, I think. I think Nico needs to move on and get to a stronger team, dude. Okay, so or Williams needs to find some serious. So money. Rubens, uh, Rubens Barrichello fired at the end of the year, and Nico into the Braun GP car. I can see it now. I think that would be stellar. You'd have Jensen Button, you'd have Nico Rosberg. Uh, that would definitely push Button more than Barrichello does. I think there's no doubt. I think that'd be cool. Like it's sort of a younger, hungrier kind of team, and and to finally you know get get Nico into a into a team that. You know, seems like he deserves. I mean, yeah, it seems I, like he's Barrichello got the speed. definitely seems well fed, not as hungry. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, I, I think you're right. The, you know, it would be nice to see uh, Bruno Senna get a chance. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think Nico. I, I again, now I have a ton of respect for Williams, but I in in this climate, in this economy, this this situation, I don't know if they're going to be able to break away. Yeah, uh, I think they're very clever people, and I think they're making a lot of it a little. But are they really going to be able to break in to be a front-running team? I just, I, I really don't see how they're going to be able to do that. Yeah. So maybe with these budget caps that come in 2010, some other things, maybe this cleverness will really pay off if they're limited in the team. But this whole budget cap thing is so ridiculous in the first place, making my head spin. Yeah. So who knows? But again, uh, regardless, I think Nico deserves a lot of credit. Okay. Um. I think I mean that's like like you said. There's not a whole lot of on track action. It's not not quite pretty, like Monaco. Pretty boring race. Um, yeah, definitely. It, it 
was a more of a strategic with a two-stop versus three-stop pit strategy and all that, and not, like we say, not as many on-track exciting moments. Um, Do we want to make a couple of, I'd say, notables here? Uh, McLaren Mercedes finished 13th and 14th today in the race. Ooh. Lewis Hamilton actually did stay on the lead lap. Yeah, just barely. Yep. And uh, Heki Kovalainen lapped down 14th. Um, Sebastian Buemi once again outperforming Bourdais. Buemi in 15th, Bourdais in 18th. That same in qualifying. Buemi was ahead in qualifying. Although Massa 6th to uh, Kimi Raikkonen's 9th. Kimi did missed out on points, and uh, that... That slow start or getting getting bollocked up, and we never actually saw exactly what happened. But yep. the poor yep. start, um, Kimi was back to ninth. Extremely critical for this and race. Was never was never able to get back. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was yeah. too and, bad. But and again, you know, this you go. Turkey is supposed to be Massa's home. I mean, he's won the race three times in a row uh, until this year, and he 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 loves the place. But Raikkonen outqualified Massa, and just the poor start kind of owned him. It's it's kind of a shame. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Kubica in seventh again, collecting two points for BMW. Uh, compared to the last couple of races, that's kind of a good thing. Yeah, and, and, and Toyota doing a solid job. I mean, to come back from um, dismal form, uh, Mignano fourth and Timo eighth. That's that's not bad. And and Toyota's hanging especially in there. considering where Glock qualified. He was one yeah. of the few people that actually and moved he, up. Yeah, and he had more fuel than anyone. I mean, he he. I don't know. How long his first stint was? Almost. Was I mean, Lewis Hamilton and Bourdais were right at 700 kilos. Yeah. I mean, they were super heavy. I think, I think Glock was at 680 or something. Oh, okay. But was he was less. still quite heavy. They were, they were, they were up there. But I mean, this Toyota, they're they're distant third, but they're still third, and they still got a reasonable margin over Ferrari in fourth in the constructors' championship. So yeah. uh-huh. Uh-huh. that's that's good news for Toyota. That's higher than they've been, and uh, that's you know. It's unlikely they're going to be able to really move past, you know, Red Bull um, or certainly past Braun. But um, to be able to hold off, you know, take advantage of the poor performance by Ferrari and McLaren, um, you know, good job to them for doing that. And I hope that these kind of results um, keeps Toyota interested in having that team because these guys are, I think, if if some of the top guys have some kind of incident or poor qualifying or poor start or, you know, something goes wrong, I think Toyota could collect a win. You know, being sort of the right place at the right time. I think the cards are strong enough to, yep. to be there and mm-hmm. to take advantage of that kind of a situation. And, uh, you know, obviously today they were helped by Rubens having a horrible day. Um, everyone <coughs> else kind of moved up a spot. But uh, I, I'd like to see Toyota stay in it and uh, and continue on. And, you know, we'll know as more as the weeks progress here and, and you know, if we get any other announcements from, from Toyota. But I, I hope that they can stay in and I hope that this weekend's result, you know, helps them you know, keep remember, reminding that that's a good idea. Yeah, and you know, it truly is quite good, and and I think I think you're absolutely right. But Toyota is kind of doing this the Toyota way. I mean, it's taken Toyota 50 years of just slowly but surely, incrementally getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, and now they're well and clearly the number one auto manufacturer in the world. Um, so I tell you, give Toyota another 20 years in Formula One, and they'll be <laughs> on top of it. Yeah, that is my opinion. Uh, what I'd like to hear is your opinions, which brings us to. The mailbag. Listener feedback. Yes, listener feedback. And we have bunches, and a lot of it is going on on the Facebook page. Brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. I get so happy reading this stuff. You guys are smart folks. Yes, and we've got nearly 300 fans on the Facebook page, and if you're not part of that, just go to facebook.f1show.com. Are we um, going to start getting royalties from Facebook? Because, I mean, we're totally hooking them up with folks. I don't know, but I think, I mean, Facebook's got millions, bajillions of people, so I think the 300 people we have isn't 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 doing a whole lot there. But Well, hey, come on. It's, it's more than they had before. That's all I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, right on. Um, so a couple of, uh, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, we're talking about, you know, instead of this whole medals versus, uh, you know, medals versus points and all that, uh, you know, James Thomas had a comment, you know, hey, winning drivers should get a Coke and they can head down to the local store and buy themselves a Coke, you know. Hey, you know, forget medals, forget you know points. the F1 show supports that idea. Oh, yeah. So uh, although, uh, you know, we've got, you know, some, some additional feedback, you know, Peter Oliver says, uh, oh, yeah, you know, the Kimi thing, you know, if it motivates, if, if that's what's motivating Kimi, it's not working. So we need something else. Um We've got, uh, you know, a lot of people, actually a fair number of, of comments to the effect that this whole Jensen Button, Braun GP thing, we're over it. It's old already. Uh, see, it's not to me. I don't understand yeah. that. I mean, come on, guys. This Listen, this is not, you know, the Schumacher, Braun, Ferrari area where year after year after year it's – is it possible that someone else might win other than Schumacher? Yeah, and no, we, I mean, we had a race is, for the still lead today. a beautiful, wonderful Cinderella story. And look how genuinely happy Jensen Button is. I mean, he's so happy, so elated. This is his ninth season in Formula One, and he's finally getting to live his He's been dreaming about this since he was 20. Yeah. The guy's got a beard and kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews and mouths to feed. And he finally gets his break to be Formula One world champion, and he could not be happier. He's on top of the world. He's chopped to bits, whatever whatever that means, chonked to bits, chuffed. chunked to bits. Yeah, oh, chuffed. chuffed. Chuffed with yep. an F, fine. I mean, I, I couldn't be happier for him. And plus, I mean, he drives beautifully. It's not like it's not like it's this like calculated Teutonic thing from Schumacher. It's, it's, he, he really drives beautifully, and I, I, I think it's great. Yeah, so... I mean, so yeah, it was James Payne was saying was saying it's getting old. Um, Dave Stevens kind of says the same thing, and uh, and and actually Paul Peard's got some a little, a little bit more negative comments, sort of, which ends in you know R.I.P. Formula One, uh, may it rest in peace. But uh, you know, basically, you know, he says a white car winning all the time isn't much better than a red or silver one, which we've kind of addressed that. Right. Um, but uh, and and you know, he says. F1 is on self-destruct. It's like 500 GP bikes. The sport all but died and got reinvented as MotoGP for the better, probably. But it certainly isn't the same. And I, you know, he continues to say, you know, I think the time has come, and it isn't going to be small changes in the tires and a battery boost button that do it. I agree. I don't think it's you know the curves and the tire changes aren't going to be what's what's it what what does it. But all these new teams potentially coming in, um, you know, kind of a shakeup in some of the constructors. I think there could be, you know, enough new interest. You know, USF1 getting in there and getting some of the American market on board. Yeah. Um, some of the, you know, sometimes, a, you know, a recession or, or economic hard times can take the, you know, the companies that were just funneling money into it and not really thinking about it um, can take a second look at it and it can kind of make people hungrier, make the teams, make the make the money behind it. You know, if it's tighter, they're going to focus more on we need to get some results and maybe, you know, I don't know if they can dump more money in it, but spend the money more wisely and maybe trim the staff. I mean, a lot of the places are trimming down costs and, and getting what, rid of people, but think, think, they can make better cars. Think about what's so cool. What was so cool about Formula One for such a long time was it's the pinnacle of technology. These cars can do things that no other cars can do. It, and these teams do these clever, amazing bits, and they have cars with six wheels and, you know, all sorts of, like, automatic leveling and, like, you know, you know uh, the BAR car that had, you know, drive axles in the front to avoid, you know, brake lockup and even torque distribution, all this cool stuff. And they just ban and ban and regulate and tighten the restrictions, all this kind of stuff. I, I'm with you that Formula One needs a change, but it doesn't need a change, in my opinion, in price caps. It needs a change in... Smarter rules and less rules, allowing more creativity. We've gotten to this point where 
people think this is happening in NASCAR or in IndyCar is basically spec series and NASCAR is getting tighter and tighter and tighter and they think it's like now we have all this modern techni- technology and CFM and wind tunnels and all this kind of stuff that we need to just tighten the regulations it's like no we need to go the other way give people really tough challenges like Jim and I kind of beat to death you get this much fuel see what you can do or you know these many things and if you want to control cost you don't do it by saying you can only spend 60 grand that's like you know it's like you know Max Mosley is you know the dad with 10 children They're each children saying i need $30 to go to the movies and Max Mosley says you only get $10 and you know share a car you know share a car with your friends like <laughs> what what you do is if you want to save money on wind tunnels have a formula 1 wind tunnel and let each team use it you know one tenth of the time or one thirteenth of the time after next year you know, limit testing, limit these things. Uh, don't, don't, don't just restrict the car to the ninth. I just don't understand it. Yeah. Sorry. I'm <laughs> soapbox. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, like you say, we've gone on about it before, but I, I think it's still, it's, it's relevant. And yeah, I mean, the, hopefully the changes that come over the next week with new teams signing on and some of the old teams potentially leaving and all that, hopefully that, that helps. And that, you know, is, right. Um, but, and, but that being accomplishes said, accomplishes some of this. But it's, I mean, it's, I still it's, it's love not Formula a, One. It's not a drastic rewrite or anything yeah, like that. And, but that being said, I still love Formula One. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it to fail. I just, you know, you want it to be better. But I, I still enjoy it. It hasn't gotten to the point where I don't enjoy it anymore. Right. And I mean, we watched the Indy 500, you know, a couple weeks ago on the same day as Monaco and all that. And that's that's one of those where it's just like. I'll watch one race a year, but beyond that, it just isn't interesting enough for me. And some of the, some of the point of Formula One for us, anyway, for me, is there's differences in cars and the difference technologically, and what can Adrian Newey do with the rear, you know, rear end of a of a Red Bull car, and how can they make a diffuser work, and how can they get the aerodynamics to do their things? And it's you know, there's there's a place for a spec series. You know, some people just oh, I just want to see it to be all about the drivers and all that, and. There are series that, that that's the whole point is everyone's got the same car. There's you know series with rewards weights and all kinds right. of things like that to equalize it. That's that's just not F1, and I think there is still going to be a place for F1 and its way of going at least for, I mean I don't know another five years or something, and who knows maybe right, you know right. beyond. But and then but that's the key too is you know it, you know just it's not going to be better just by throwing volatility at it. I mean, uh, we've said this before. You, we already had some pretty serious rule changes for 2009. You can't reinvent the wheel every year. There's no way any team can keep up or not lose interest. Right. You know what I mean? That's a big part of what the FOTEA is saying. It's like, listen, if you want to do some of these rules, fine. 2011, 2012, give us some time to move and change and deal with this. We're dynamic, but we're not that dynamic. Yeah. I mean, these teams are hundreds of people now. They can't just They can't just turn on a dime. Yeah, I mean Peter Windsor actually was mentioning uh, in the in the U.S. coverage today how when he worked at Williams it was 120 people and now it's over 700, and that just sort of goes to show. And that's kind of what we're getting back to what I was saying, where when money's tight, all the teams have to really look at where they're spending money, who they need to have, you know, and it sort of works smarter, not harder, or work you know smarter with fewer people. Um, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully that can come around. But um, I'm I'm in agreement with you though that uh, you know F1 is still this, the motorsport that's most interesting to me technologically and with the drivers and sort of as the top level of everything and seeing the drivers change teams and seeing how their performance changes between the different teams. I mean, there's all interesting stuff, and it's all just yeah. part of the dynamics of, and of even, this sport. I mean, these new budget cap rules, you know, it's like, oh, it's 60 grand, stuff like that. Oh, but that doesn't include hospitality. Oh, that doesn't include driver salaries. Oh, it doesn't include, you know, you know 15 private jets to, you know, ship over, you know, diamond-encrusted front wings and stuff. I mean, it's like... 
it seems all kind of like I don't know, not seems ham-fisted, shallow, not not really. Like uh, in practice, it, it won't make yeah. as much of a difference as it's supposed to. Right. I mean, why does it does it make sense for a team to be able to spend sixty million pounds but still pay the driver twenty million pounds? Yeah. Like the the driver's literally one quarter of the budget now. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I don't know. The the whole thing's crazy. But you know, come on, it's still Formula One. It's still Formula One, baby. Yes. Listen. Now I want to mention uh, a, a fantastic um, uh, comment from. Oh, now I lost it. From Vanessa? Daniel Jewell. Oh. I'm surprised. Only one view, review and rating for the F1 show on the iTunes store. Where's the support, fans? We need to aim for five more reviews by the British GP. Daniel Jewell, thank you very much. The that thing is, is fantastic. The thing about that, that's, I think, on the UK iTunes store. And it's and iTunes is a little tricky because of all the copyright stuff with the music store and all that. So the U.S. store, even though podcasts are separate from all the copyright and everything, I think we have a different set of ratings in the U.K., the U.S., probably Australia, Ireland, whatever. So we have no idea what you know what reviews we have right, I, on, the, I, on the U.K. I, I store. I know we have more than one review yeah, on, on the, the U.S. US store. Yeah, yeah but th- I, I, Daniel Jewell... Thank you so much for, for doing that and saying that. I, I hope some of you guys listen to him. It doesn't take any time. If, if, if you take the time to write us a comment, tell us you love us. Take the time to tell iTunes that you love us there too. It helps us, helps us build the show. Um, you know, we've, we've really grown to love this thing, and, and we really want to support it and, 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 and have it continue to grow. So uh, have more people come and share with us on Facebook and, and just make the community bigger and smarter and more lively, and I think it's great. Yes. Um, and then one I mentioned real quickly, uh, we did get an email uh, to feedback at f1show.com from Vanessa, um, who basically is uh, you know is saying is pointing out to us, which is interesting because we don't you know have as have as much the international perspective how different some of the coverage is between the English speaking media and the Spanish speaking media, um, especially with Fernando Alonso versus Lewis Hamilton when they were at McLaren, and uh, and everything that's been going on there, um, and and you know calling us out for not. Um, not sort of appreciating what Fernando Alonso is doing right now. I mean, she mentions he's the only driver, the only current driver who's won the world championship twice. Um, you know, we do mention from time to time how he's, we think driving that Renault far past what it's really capable of doing. Um, and, and, you know, Robin and I, we're, we're both very we're a little perplexed by that. email. No, well, we're both, I mean, we're both still, you know, appreciative of Alonso's talent. I mean, that's, that's, there's no question that he doesn't have talent. Huge. Um, huge sometimes talent. just the way, the way he kind of goes about things, the way the Renault team seems to operate with, they have these press releases that are against each other. And, you know, Alonso will go to the press and say, Oh, you know, Renault needs to move forward. And it's like, right. Shouldn't that be in like a boardroom meeting or something? Why is right. it that the press is the way that, you know, it's, we, we sort of, we call them out on some of the weird ways they do things. And obviously Flavio Briatoria is behind a lot of that. And sort of his his weird lifestyle and his way of doing things. And also, there's no denying. I mean, listen, he was not completely innocent at, in McLaren. He just, I mean, he did some shady stuff. Yeah. And we still, it's not like we're pro Hamilton, anti Alonso. We're not pro either. Well, Jim is, but I'm. You know, we're not. We're not pro either. And Jim isn't pro Hamilton, anti Alonso. He's just pro Hamilton. And. You know, we, we think he's a fantastic driver. Whenever we're talking about the best of the best, he's always on the list. And I love his little dances at the end of the races when he wins. I mean, I think he's a great character and a great driver, and I think the Spanish have every right to be extremely proud of the guy. But, you know, at the same time, he is for Renault. Renault is, you know, doing what he can, and we, he still gets mentions. Yeah, I mean, and he's, he's right in the middle of the driver standings. I mean, he's ninth out of 20 drivers, so... 
even though even if he does a great drive, if it doesn't, you know, because of the car, because of the teams, because of the tires, because of the conditions, if it doesn't amount to anything, you know, he may not get a lot of uh, a lot of mentions from us. Right. Um, and whereas, the only reason we mentioned Piquet more than Alonso is because we want Piquet out of the car so bad. Yeah, really. <laughs> and uh, and and you know, I, I'll take it a step further. You know, if we had an American driver in the in the in the, in the sport, or even uh, you know, an American team in the in the form of USF one, um, we'd probably cover them a little bit more because there are there are relatively local guy. I mean, when yeah. Scott Speed was involved, uh, you know, we'd we'd mention them and yep, we'd give them you know mention, just sure. just as a as a you know, I'm sure that the Spanish media probably focuses on Alonso a bit more. But so our point is, you know, we we definitely appreciate the talent Alonso has. I think it's unfortunate that the Renault team um, is is as behind as they are. And it looks like Alonzo um, and, and Vanessa mentions this in her email as well is really um, developing that car. I mean, he's one of the, one yep. of those drivers like Schumacher did back with Ferrari and all that, who yep. can come to a team and really develop the car and I push agree. it forward. I absolutely. And that. you know, whether or not, you know, how much of that, you know, and it, it's, it's kind of tricky with the regulation changes. I mean, that seems like a lot more than just what the driver can do. So it's hard to say, that, oh, Hamilton can't do that or, you know, Raikkonen can't do that or whatever. But it's, you know, regardless of that, Alonso definitely can push a car forward and, and really help to develop it. And uh, we give him props for that. Yeah, and I, I also I want to thank you because uh, we, we do appreciate you keeping us on our toes. I mean, Jim and I both strive on being a, a equal opportunity podcast and that's one of the compliments we get from a lot of people is that we don't play favorites. And, and we really don't. We just love the sport as a whole. And, I mean, in some ways that might be the advantage of us being Americans is that we don't really have – You don't have a horse in this race. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a horse in this race, so we can just look at the race as a whole. And we, we definitely hope that USF1 gets into Formula 1, and we definitely hope to continue to be non-partial. Um, but uh, we do appreciate you keeping us on our toes. We want to remain objective and and uh, equal opportunity. So uh, we, we I definitely appreciate it in that sense. Yes. So um, if you want to join the ranks of all the people we mentioned today, um, we've mentioned the Facebook page. Just search for F1 Show there or go to F1 uh, facebook.f1show.com. Um, if you'd prefer to, you can actually leave comments directly on our website, which is just f1show.com. Or, of course, send us email to feedback at f1show.com. Um, and moving on, it's time for trivia. Yeah, yeah, trivia. So, um, first of all, you might just maybe have noticed that we have changed the trivia intro song just a little, little bit. And the reason is, is because someone finally said something about it. <laughs> we yeah. put that in as a lark. Well, okay, so the backstory on that is when we're recording the podcast, you know, we have to we have to have ways of knowing which section we're recording so we can get the music and everything lined up. And so we, we thought, used to have, like, okay, now it's time for the, you know, now it's time for the race recap, or now it's time for trivia, now it's time for predictions. And so that was that was just that happened to be, like, what we did that one yeah. time. To be for like, whatever trivia. reason, we were feeling a little goofy. A little trivia song. We made a little song. And then we just played it back, and we just kind of were laughing. We figured, you know what, let's leave it in until someone says something about it. And, and should, no one said should, anything. We should look at how many episodes it was, but it was like five or six. I mean, it's yeah, been there for well, a while. We did it pretty much at the beginning. So, all right, all right. So, Wes, you called us out on it. Uh, we got an email. Um, so, uh, you know what? That's 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 fine. That's done. And uh, anyway, how do we do on trivia? Yeah, I hope I hope, I hope hope you like the new song. Um, well, uh, it was very, very, very intriguing question, I thought. Uh, I will read it. I will repeat it now. As we all know, Jensen Putten was the first British driver to win the Monaco GP from pole since the great Jackie Stewart completed the feat in 1973. What did Jim and I do last week? 
<laughs> and uh, we actually did get a couple of guesses, which I appreciated. Who who guessed? Well, that Wes, who's who, emailed about the song. He guessed that we both attended Elio Castroneves' private private victory party following his Indy 500 win on Sunday. And uh, you know what? That sh- that would have been sweet. What you should have known is that you know Elio and I had a falling out, and I'm not going to go to his parties. Yeah, I mean he, we were invited. He knows what he did, but we were like, you know what? That's no. no. We had another guest that we went to the Henry Ford Museum or something. Yeah, um, on the uh, Facebook page. And I don't, I don't have that in front of me right I now. I don't have that in front of me either. But someone did say that, and I, I was, it was appreciated the thought that went into that. However, you guys were wrong, absolutely wrong. Jim and I went to a local racetrack in Michigan called Grattan Raceway, and uh, did a track day. Had a in proper, s- had a proper track day, and uh, Robin was my driving instructor, and I was his driving student, and I was able to put in some, some. Some fun. He's had a lot of fun. I got. I, he took what? We took seven seconds off my lap time there. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, I'm a yeah. novice. I'm no amazing driver. I, you know, I'm, I'm whatever. But uh, went out there, yeah, in the trusty Mini Cooper, and uh, did some laps. And I was able to record it with some of the fun equipment I get to work with for, work with uh, at my job. So um, there's look for a video on YouTube. Um, F1 Show does have a YouTube account. F1 Show dot com. That's yeah, it's all spelled D O T com. Yeah. So. Um, We'll we'll put a link to it on the Facebook page and all that, but uh, yeah, some cool video. And uh, Robin was my you know as the as the my professional driving instructor did a great job. And, and had, I have had to some say too, since we're uh, since we're talking about it, uh, everyone here, your boy Jim, is a great talent here. He's got a lot of potential, and he uh, even when he made mistakes, he made mistakes the right way. And uh, I always felt comfortable with him in the car. We had it. We had a fantastic time. We went through a whole lot of breaks, which means we had a good time. And uh, yeah, yeah had new, metal, front, metal new fronts and rears on the mini. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, great times. And uh, it was kind of a kind of an oddball trivia question. And uh, we, you know, basically what it came down to within a weekend that jam packed with putting brakes on the car for the track day and watching the Indy 500 and doing Monaco and, and making croque monsieur and everything else it took to uh, yeah driving you know most of the way across the state to get to it. We basically didn't have time to do all the research into a proper trivia question, but that has all changed. And uh, so thanks for the people that did guess. But we have um, a more realistic trivia question for you this week. Okay, so here it is, and we've been talking about this actually quite a lot today, is this whole thing with Jensen Button and Braun GP is starting to get kind of ridiculous. Six races out of seven. he The team has 96 points compared to uh, RBR Renault's 56.5. Jensen Button now has 61 points. Uh, his nearest rival is his teammate with 35, and his nearest real rival is Sebastian Vettel with 29 points. So that's a 32-point uh, margin he's got right now, and there's still, what, 10 races to go, 11 races yeah, to go? Yeah, 10, 10 to go. So if you were to just uh, you know progress this uh, uh, line uh, on the glass, I mean, Jensen Button's going to absolutely own this thing. So that got me thinking. What was the biggest margin of victory for this driver's championship in Formula One history, and who won that championship? That is the question. Now, I have a feeling that this one actually isn't going to be quite as challenging as some of the others, but I thought it was very pertinent for what we see here going on today. And one of the questions is, is Jensen Button going to beat this record that currently holds? Yes. So that, once again, it's the biggest margin of victory for the driver's championship in the Formula One World Championship. And who was the one who won that championship? And what year did it happen? Let's throw that in there too. There Another three for three for, three banger there. Okay, there you have it. Let's move on to predictions. Yeah. 
Well, okay, as promised, I did give Jim an entire two liter of Coke. Although you've drank a whole I've, bunch of it, I've, I haven't I've had, had any. a fair amount of that. But uh, I, you know, I I did pay in full the Coke. I owe Jim a Coke. I was just in a sharing mood, you know, whatever. However, this week, turkey. Oh boy, boy, Jim. You know, what, I, I, you know, I I was going on. I was like trying to put a little logic behind it. You know, it's like okay, yeah, Jensen's fast now, but who's good at this track and who's returning to form and all that? And I figured, okay, you know, I think Massa is going to do real well. Get pole position. Yeah, how'd that go for you? Uh, not so well. Yeah, hmm, yeah. Yeah, seven. However, I said I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be bold. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put Raikkonen on the pole. Yeah, how'd that I work I said Raikkonen's going to, well, you know, not no, so good. No, okay, better, not so better good. Than I mine. admit that, I admit that. But he outqualified Massa. Yeah, so, 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 so you were closer than me there. So, boom. Fair enough. And uh, I think I had, oh, shit. <laughs> What's his name again? Jensen Button on the win. Oh, what? Oh, what? Man. Yep, there you go. Safe bet. <clears throat> you owe me a coke. Yeah, all right, all right. Um, we had some fan predictions as well. Uh, Adam Lowe predicted Massa Poland win. Uh, we already know how that went. Yeah, don't 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 follow Jim's predictions. D- you'll see where it gets you. Um, Dave Stevens says a, a BMW in the top ten. That's true. Kubica finished seventh. Good for you. He and, wins a yep, coke. And, and uh, Nick Nick Heidfeld was eleventh, so he was just out there. Um, and we had oh boy, um, James Thomas says Massa for pole and Massa for the win. Man, everyone was going. I guess maybe I had the you, you I had was a on good the right. Going. I know. I mean, had a group were, it was going. steeped in logic. It was just wrong. Yeah, because you guys aren't <laughs> very smart. That's all. Yeah. Um. Everyone, uh, it, listen. Not everyone has the in-depth knowledge that I do, the real, true experience that I can pull from to come up with these kind of predictions. To really just pick from, like, the three possibilities for uh, <laughs> a win. Um, yeah, so, you know, anyway, thanks thanks for the uh, for the predictions and everything. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's great to hear from you guys. And, uh, you know, we got the, um, also, actually, uh, Wes um, predicted Vettel on pole and Massa for the win. So he had well, the pole he, part right, half but right. then Massa. I mean, everyone right. with the Massa, man. Tell you Ma- what, Wes, you can get you get yourself a Diet Coke. There you go. Yeah. Um, but, okay, now it's time to move forward. We have to move forward. Yes. First of all, I have to say, I cannot wait for Britain because that's fish and chips. And okay, I've well, been talking about fish and chips since April. This is true. There's actually a really cool... That's a fact, it, It's an Irish pub, technically, in Ann Arbor, where I live. But that's, you know, Great and, Britain, you know. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's, you know, it's part of the UK, Close and they enough. have really good fish and chips, and that's where we're going... For the next podcast, totally authentic fish and chips. We're going to do it on up. Okay, real quick, I just want to make sure our listeners understand. We know that Ireland itself is not part of Great Britain. Northern Ireland is, and fish and chips. You know, we figure it's it's English, and even though this is an Irish pub and whatever, we're 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 hip to your way of life, and we're all about the fish and chips. Actually, the first time I went to London, that was one of the one of the first meals I had. I was like, I've, I've got to get some legit, you know, fish and chips, and right. uh, so. We're 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 real big on. Uh, we know we've got a lot of English listeners, a lot of a lot of listeners in Great Britain and uh, in the Emerald Isle and everywhere else. So uh, we want to you know yeah, re- recognize very, there. Jim's very hip to that scene. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm only hip to it in the amount of tea I drink, but uh, I do. He's try a big to be fan hip. of the English breakfast. And though, to be honest that. with you, I I'd eat fish and chips and British food in general more often, but I don't want to die. Yeah. So <laughs> so for what that's worth. I, I kind of like my heart to keep beating. All right. But there is, I think, also a race going on in England oh, right. at yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah. And what do you what, what do you think is going on there? Well, see, here's the thing. I'm starting to wonder if this predictions thing maybe isn't the best thing to do. Do we want to instead predict how Jensen Button will win? Yeah, like what the margin of victory will yeah. be, or who maybe predicts well, second and third, or yeah, maybe something who's, like, yeah. who's behind. Because I mean, come, okay, it's England, it's Silverstone. Jensen Button is going to be. I mean, Braun is going to be working as hard as I can. You know, they they're 
you know, they're headquartered like five seconds away from the track. And, yeah. So um, for just for officially, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to put button on pull, button to win. Okay. Shocking. Yeah. Now, how about you? Okay. I mean, I hate to I hate to do the same thing, um, but I'm, I'm just I really write button button. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But okay. I really don't think that anyone <laughs> I don't think anyone else is going to be able to do it. You know? Okay. So let's predict something else. Let's let's. What, if, what if Toyota goes really light and it puts truly on pole? Uh, no, whatever. No, it's, it's not going it, to. Okay. So okay. let's think of something. Um, this is totally off the top of my head. This isn't planned at all. How about who is going to finish thirteenth? Ooh. Who's going to finish thirteenth? Um, Robert Kubica. Ooh. So you're you're uh, you're you're thinking that. BMW Sauber isn't going to keep moving forward. No, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Much respect to everyone. If we have any listeners out there that work at, at BMW, you know, I think that's that's great. You should email us. But um, no, unfortunately, I think you know, pit stop strategy, tires, uh, everything may not go their way. I think it's Bob Kubica. All right, I'm going to go the other way. Okay. on this one, Can and I'm going to say that Adrian Sutil is going to have a good day and finish 13th. <laughs> How about that? Well, um, Force India is headquartered at Silverstone. Yes. If anyone knows their way around that track, it ought to be those guys. Yes. Uh, they're out there testing as much as they possibly can, although this year I guess that may not be worth as much. I was tempted to put Hamilton in 13th because I don't think McLaren's going to have that. That'd be a good result for him, actually. But Hamilton, I, he's going to be trying so hard. You know he's going to be he trying is. so, I think, so hard. I think Hamilton top 10 in, in England. I hope so, anyway, for his sake, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, a little I, bit. I'm going to put a prediction on that Hamilton is going to forego the chips and just have the fish. You heard it here first, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. That's a daring. That's a daring statement. So yeah, I think. I mean, honestly, the best bet Hamilton has at getting in the top ten is if he gets his hands on a performance box because the F1 show is per- supported by the performance box. A GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data log are perfect for any car nuts use at track days, autocrossers, or to simply see what your car can do, like a McLaren Mercedes. Shipping worldwide from VBOX USA. For more info and the online store, go to performancedrift.com. Thank you for that. That never gets old. It never does. So, as we've said, with the much-anticipated fish, chips, and Silverstone. I can't wait. Um, that's two weeks' time. Um, Coke's, Coke's English, too, right? What's Sure. English, okay. English Coke. Well, it, you know, okay. English Coke is different. Like, Diet Coke over there tastes totally different. Oh, I know. And I Diet know. Cherry Coke is nasty. Like, I guess if you're in the UK and you like Diet Cherry Coke, then don't try what we have here as Diet Cherry <laughs> Coke. It is entirely different. <laughs> and I can say my American palate was not pleased when and I tried you, that. If you like Coke as much as I do, I highly recommend a trip to Atlanta, Georgia, where Coca-Cola Company is actually headquartered. And you can take a tour and actually try the different Cokes of the world because they have, you know, a bunch of different flavors for different nations. That's amazing. I bet Kimi Reagan has been there. Yeah, and if you go to Atlanta and order a Coke, um, it, it, you, it, there's no Pepsi in Atlanta. That's what I'm getting at. If, if you order a Pepsi, you'll get a Coke. If you order a Coke, you get a Coke. If you order, uh, if you say a soda, you'll get a Coke. The only way you'll get a Sprite or a Mountain Dew or anything like that, and well, you won't get Mountain Dew, is you have to specifically say, I would like the Pepsi product Mountain Dew or whatever, and then they might just hit you. That's that's amazing. It's 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 there's very very strong loyalty to Coke in Atlanta. All right, and on that bombshell, we end this episode. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time, and uh, until then, I am Jim Lau, and I'm Ron Warner. Drink Coke, go to Atlanta. <laughs> See ya.
Trivia. 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 Tri- 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 <laughs>